millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A Living History Production. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the podcast. We're talking today about a brand new tour we have. And we don't often do this. We don't often come on the podcast just to talk about a specific tour. But this one is unique and something special and I think will make for an interesting discussion in its own right. Uh, We're talking about our Battle Tactics on the Western Front Tour, which is a unique tour where we walk the ground in depth. And joining me is the man who will be leading that tour. It's Pete Smith. Pete, welcome back to the show. Hi, Matt. Good to be back on the show. And uh, great to be talking about this uh, this new tour that we're going to be... uh, well, I'm going to be guiding. Yeah, I wish I was coming on it. That's the first thing. I'm, I'm jealous that I'm not going to be there with you, but uh, I've had my hand in it in terms of the design, and it's something we've been working on for a while now, mate, and I'm really proud of this, I've got to say. All our tours are fantastic, and they're all a great experience, but this one's just a little bit different. It's unique. No other company is offering a tour like this, and it's just a just a brilliant experience all around. Yep, it's something that came about, uh, well, on your signature, or our signature too. We had a, had a chat about it and chatting to clients really over the uh, over many years uh, about what they would like to do. And quite a lot of them at the end of a, of a, a tour, whatever type of tour that they've been doing, would say, oh, I'd love to kind of get on the ground a bit more and, and, and follow in the footsteps of literally of a battalion or of a unit. And so that's, that's the driving force really, is to give people that experience of actually a lot of walking, a lot of... Uh, getting grubby and getting our boots muddy and actually following battalions about uh, on the battlefield. It's going to be sensational. So we're talking, of course, the Western Front, where the Australians and other Commonwealth and British forces and French fought during the First World War. So famous places like the Somme and Flanders and Ypres and all these wonderful places that we often talk about on the podcast. And basically the tour is doing those sites, but in detail, really getting out there and walking in the footsteps of individual units. So it's 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 not a general sightseeing tour. We don't visit any museums. Uh, we don't visit tourist sites. We just get out there and walk the ground. So if you're someone who's been to the battlefields of the Western Front before on a previous tour, or if you're someone who's considering going there for the first time, but just wants to come away with a bit more understanding and a bit a bit do, doing the destination a bit more in depth then uh, I think this is going to be a really exciting tour for you. And what we wanted to do today was just to go through it in a little bit more detail, explain exactly what's going to be happening and 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 why it might be a good idea for you to join us. Before we get into the, 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 the meat of the tour, Pete, I wanted to ask you an important question. On our tours, we, we, we pull up in our car or our coach, we visit these sites, we do them in detail. We, we, don't, we don't do anything um, frivolously. We, we, we spend quite a bit of time exploring these sites. But then we get back in our transport and we move on to the next site. On this tour, you'll be walking the ground in the footsteps of a specific battalion 
as you cross the battlefields, walking in their footsteps. Why is that going to be a different approach to what we normally do on a tour? Well, I think the first thing to say is, of course, um, we'll be going uh, out in whatever the weather is. So we'll be, as the, as the men did, we'll be walking in on approach routes to the, the front line, as, as the men will have done, and it will give us a real feel. We're going to be following individual battalions so that we will talk about the big picture, but we'll be actually following in in individuals' footsteps. And we will talk about some of those individuals as we're approaching the front, what's going to happen to them or what did happen to them. Um, and... I think there's nothing better than actually finding a location where you know absolutely that this battalion or this unit were actually digging in or moving or going into the attack across this landscape right in front of us. And so that was the key, really, in the driving force, to give people that extra feel of of being on the ground and having the time to talk about that experience and and what it meant to the men. And then, of course, to sadly go and see where some of them are, are in fact, buried or or where some of them lost their lives. So it's, it's going to be the whole package of talking about a battalion following in its footsteps and we're hoping to do about four hours walking a day maybe even longer uh, knowing myself probably a lot longer but um, uh, that's the plan to give people that real feel of of uh, of being there well that was the brainwave pete was to follow in a specific battalion because some of these battles can be very hard to get your head around there can be tens of thousands sometimes hundreds of thousands of troops involved in a specific attack over a very large area and trying to work out a way to actually cover the ground in, in some sort of way that made sense. Um, the brainwave was, let's pick a battalion on that battlefield and, and follow in their advance. It's it's going to be something really special. And we, the time of year we even picked, we picked October um, to, to leave Paris just after the Rugby World Cup, of course. There's going to be a lot of Aussies over there for the Rugby World Cup, so this will be something that appeals. Um, but also a good time of year to do it. Uh, you know, the, the, the fields are generally pretty clear of crops, the days are still, the weather's still mild usually and the, the days are long. It's, it's going to be a nice time of year to do it as well, isn't it, Pete? I think it's perfect. And it's that um, the fields clear of crops, which is interesting because there is a right to roam in France. So it means if you're not damaging crops, you can actually walk out into those fields. Uh, and I think that's that's an interesting aspect that we can get onto the ground. And actually, at that time of the year, we can we can cross the fields and, and follow literally in their footsteps. Um, also, it's not, it's not too hot. We don't want it too hot. And hopefully it won't be too cold. And if the if the, the weather holds off, then more the better. But even that doesn't really matter if you're wearing the right gear then it's all part of the experience really well let's talk about in detail what we're going to do um just about the experience we'll have on each of these battlefields so we're starting on the 11th of october in paris i mean not much to say about that come together in paris it's always a nice night to welcome the group together but the next day we head out into the battlefields and we drive up into the somme reversing the order a little bit normally we'd be heading straight up to Ypres, but we're going to go to the somme uh to kick this one off and we're going to do two walks a day. That's the plan. I keep saying we as if I'm going to be there. I wish I was. But uh, <laughs> we as in terms of the collective we. Um, two walks a day. The morning walk on that first day. Monson Quentin, a, a late action in 1918. But that's a, it's a great one. It's an absolute cracker to kick off with, Pete. Yeah, it's, it's a very successful action. Um, we're going to be following the 21st Battalion, so uh, um, an interesting battalion, well recorded what it did on that on that day or on those two, over those two days. So uh, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good place to start. Uh, a fairly not particularly uh, strenuous walk as well, so we can ease people into to the walking and, and lots to talk about. So I think it's a it's a good place to, to start at Mont Saint Quentin. Still lots to see from the battle as well. Trenches oh, and, yeah. and heaps of things to see. Good memorials and a good perspective of the battlefield. We went for battlefields that have not changed too dramatically. Uh, and so 
you know, a battlefield like Pozier, for example, a famous Australian battlefield, um, difficult to actually walk the battlefield today because there was no village there during the battle. It was a, a, a sea of destruction. Today there's a village which sort of gets in the way. So a battlefield like that, as famous as it is, is actually quite difficult to walk. Uh, but we've picked sites that um, still have a very strong connection to the war years. Yeah. Um, and the next one we're going to do actually is uh, connected to uh, to Poitiers itself because we're going to be doing um, the the walk in. So we're actually not going to be uh, actually following the battle. We're going to be in this case following the men as they walked to the front line for the assault against Poitiers. And again, that's part of what we aim to do is not just talk about the fighting, but to talk about the soldiers' experience. How did it feel for your first time to be moving onto the onto the Western Front and going into into action in the divisional attack? And so, yeah, Poitiers very much part of that. But it's it's that march in that we're going to be looking at for the second walk of the first day. That's one of my favourite walks on the bas- on the entire battlefields, and we we did a podcast specifically on it, Pete. The approach march to Pozier. it's absolutely fantastic. Charles Bean in the official history describes in detail what the men witnessed as they went up to the front line for the first time, having fought through Gallipoli, having retrained in Egypt, and now finding themselves on the Western Front, and just the approach to the front line on the Somme, um, just remarkable. Park past Lochnagar Crater, up Sausage Gully. Just a great walk, Dead Man's Road. I mean, this this is we're doing it on the first day, but it's it's one of the best best uh, best walks on the tour, in my opinion. Just a, a remarkable one, and not something most people ever do. Yeah, um, and I, I think that's the key. Is most people will do a little bit of it, perhaps, or go and have a look at Dead Man's Road. But to do that whole walk in almost from Albert will be uh, yeah, will be will be great. And then day three. A bit, a bit of a closer look at 1916 and the fighting in the Somme, but not in the way you'd expect. A couple of interesting ones. So in the morning, your stomping ground, where you're coming to us from now, Pete, you know, Fleur. So we're doing the, the frozen yep. battlefield in November 1916, the freezing winter battles of Fleur. That one's going to be an interesting one. It is. I went out and walked part of this one today, and it's freezing. It's about minus four here at the moment, so uh, I got the real feel of what it was like. Um, and in fact, this day's walk is is really they're going to run together. So the first part is going to be looking at uh, first battalion, first brigade, first division, and it's attack on the fifth of November, straightening the line operation. Um, and then we're going to be looking at casualty evacuation. Um, and they will run straight together. So we're going to look at an attack, and then we're going to put our our minds to what was it like if you were wounded in the front line, and how did you get out of the line, and how long did it take? And so we're going to be doing that walk, literally, that will take you out of the line and to the various aid posts and uh, um, uh, and the casualty evacuation all the way, almost all the way back to Amiens. We're not going to walk all the way back to Amiens. We'll be lo- using the coach for that <laughs> that last little bit, but it will give us a, a really good idea of what it was like to be evacuated in the in that terrible first winter of 1916-17. So it's, it's, this is the one that I'm looking forward to because it's my, it's my landscape, it's where I live, so I'm really looking forward to guiding the, uh, that one. Yeah, that's the afternoon walk, evacuating the wounded. Shout out to Andrew yep. Bellamy, who's coming on the tour, and Andrew, uh, this was um, his suggestion, and he worked with us on putting this together. He's one of our most regular guests on the tours, and um, he, uh, this was a good suggestion of his. So, well, Pete, just on that one, what sort of things will we see? You know, we talk about the rear areas of the battlefield. I mean, I think yep. most people would say after a century, isn't it only the front line where you're going to see things left over from the war? What are we going to see walking the routes behind the lines? 
Well, uh, that's exactly it. We're going to be walking those routes because the tracks uh, that uh, the men use as part of that evacuation route, they're still there. They, they haven't changed. Uh, the regimental aid posts, um, that the, they're going to be dressed and uh, effectively triages uh, kept alive and moved further back. They are sadly now cemeteries um, because most of the men were buried there that died there. And so we, we, can, we can follow a line of cemeteries as well. So there's an awful lot to see. Uh, the landscape hasn't changed. So the value Alleys that we'll be walking up, the gullies that we'll be following, are still exactly the uh, exactly the same. And it's one of the great joys of the Somme. There's been very little development uh, in the intervening years between 1914, 1918, and today. The villages are on the same same footprints. The roads and tracks are roughly some slight variation, but in the same places. Woods and trees replanted in exactly the same places. So it's uh, it's a landscape that the soldiers would recognise if you beam down a soldier of 1916. To here he would still recognize uh, the landscape apart from the villages have been rebuilt and of course most of them had been destroyed during uh, during the bombardments frontline wise the same there's no the trenches are not there but there are in the woods you get remnants of shell craters and sometimes you can follow the odd trench line so we'll be following uh, what we can what we can see um, but it's uh, it's the landscape really it's getting that landscape and understanding the landscape and understanding what was going on where the machine guns were firing from why this was a problem so all of that from the front line and the casualty evacuation it's a key feature of the western front of course that the the routes and the, the the way the men walked and how they got from one place to another was defined by shelter. You know, you were constantly under fire, you were const- constantly under observation. You wanted to make sure you didn't get hit when you were moving between the front line and the rear area, etc. And I'm always amazed, Pete, the number of times I've walked the battlefields and seen on a map or indicated in a, a book that there was a regimental aid post or an artillery position or a headquarters or something like that. And then you come around a little bend in a track and you see that there's a sunken bit in the lane or there's a specific yep. fold in the ground or something and it's just a natural place of shelter. So, of course, every place they could find that was a natural place of shelter would have those medical posts, command posts, artillery posts set up in it. It's, it's part of the experience, the joy of walking the ground. It is indeed, and uh, yeah, it's one. It's one of it's one of the things that I think it really brings it home to you when you can actually see where a dugout used to be, or where a cemetery used to be. One of the uh, the things we'll see on this uh, walk is the site of a cemetery. It's no longer there. There's nothing there, but you can clearly see where the cemetery once had been. So it's um, yeah, it's fascinating. Lots of things that you would not normally see on a general tour. And then the next day. A little bit further afield, we're still in the Somme area, but we're going further afield to a, a couple of very interesting sites that we don't normally cover in this much detail on an ordinary tour. Uh, in the morning, we're doing one of the most famous Australian actions, Bullecourt, walking the ground at Bullecourt um, in, the, in the footsteps of the Aussies, and a, a battlefield that is very much the same as it was in 1917. Yep, and again we picked a battalion heavily engaged, uh, uh, terrible casualties on uh, on that day, the 11th of April 1917, first uh, bull corps, and we're going to be following the 16th battalion as it advances uh, uh, across uh, across no man's land, and we can walk exactly in their footsteps there. So again, it's a I'm going to say a wonderful experience because of course for the men it was an absolutely appalling experience, but it but to be there and understand where the guns were firing from the German guns, where we were coming from again, uh, and to have that time to follow in, uh, in the 16th Battalion's uh, footsteps, uh, yeah, it's going to be um, uh, hopefully very very moving for most people. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Um, I think people uh, will get a lot out of that experience. Uh, in the afternoon. 
one that I love. Again, two two very similar battlefields in terms of they took place on a specific patch of ground that has not changed very much at all. And the ground was instrumental in the success or failure of these attacks. In the afternoon, we're doing Dernancourt, the, the largest assault, the largest attack ever faced by Australians during the war. This one is going to be fantastic, Pete. Well, for me as well, I've picked uh, something a little more interesting here. We're going to be following the 4th Pioneer Battalion. Um, and this was their first uh, real experience of being used uh, um, in an infantry role. In fact, they end up being used in an infantry role. So it's uh, it's interesting to talk about pioneer battalions and uh, how they were raised and, and what was their reason a reason for being raised and how were they used, as well as physically looking at where, um, in this case, they were overrun. So we're looking at um, uh, a, a terrible uh, day for the 4th Pioneer Battalion, but uh, it's something that we need to talk about, and it's a great battlefield again, as you said, Matt, for actually for observing it and following it and walking it. Couldn't be any better, really. I mean, we walked it not that long ago, and it's uh, yeah, a fantastic uh, place to, ha- to have a walk. Another podcast we did was on Dernancourt, so go and check that out. And Bullacore as well. We've done both of those on the yep. Battle Walks podcast, so go and check that out to get a bit of a taste of what we will we'll be doing on the ground. Um, day five, an important day. We leave the Somme and we head up to Ypres, up to the Ypres salient. And this is a really important day because we are doing nothing except driving to the beautiful town of Ypres and then having time at leisure to rest our weary legs and enjoy the sights of the town. So I think that will be a uh, a much-deserved day. And you were quite determined, Pete, that we have nothing in the schedule that day so that people yep. can relax, do what they want yep. to do, explore the town. And what a great place to do it, the wonderful town of Ypres. Yeah, and I think it's important when you're on a tour that's going to involve a lot of legwork, we're going to be in a lot of walking, I'd say four hours a day or, or more. So to have a day where we don't do anything, where people can just relax and go and have a, a beer or several beers and uh, and a meal and go and casually look at the Menning Gate and just, just enjoy. I'll be pointing things out to people where they can go. Uh, but I'm going to suggest that most people, what they do is uh, is is relax and go and have a have a beer and something nice to eat and uh, yeah uh, and have that day as a rest day. Can I throw in a disclaimer at this point, Pete? That's the second time you've said four hours a day of walking. I would. This is a direct shout out to everyone who's considering coming on the tour. I think that is highly underestimated. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. Just, uh, if you are now planning to come on this tour and you're thinking about, okay, I'll go and do some work in the gym and gear myself up for four hours a day, you might be uh, a little overwhelmed with yeah. how much walking you'll actually do. No, it's going to yeah. be great. None of this is a bad thing. This is going to be amazing. But no. I cannot imagine covering these incredible sites in two hours. The reason, I think, is not because you'll be walking further. There's only so Correct. many you know, specific places you can walk. But at each site, you will be uh, talking yeah. and I know where you're going with this. Yeah. yeah. So uh, even though there might be four hours of walking, the tours will, I think, go for longer than, the, oh, than God. that during uh, the course of the day. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. The four hours of walking, <laughs> I was really meaning a continual walking. Um, it will take it, it will take thereabouts four hours, but no, a, a, a four-hour walk with me talking could be eight hours. <laughs> so easily, <laughs> easily. <laughs> None of this is a bad thing. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. So we've had our day of rest, and now we've got a couple of days to explore the wonderful Leap Salient, some incredible battlefields, quite different to what what we've seen in the Somme. Uh, a lot of them will be shorter than the Somme uh, simply because of the, the nature of the fighting in the salient. I, I don't know why I'm laughing. It was horrific. I'm laughing with dread and horror at the, at the mere thought of it, but the fighting in the Ypres salient was so compact in that area that so many men died in such a small area. You know, the bite and hold attacks, which, you know, would eventually yeah. have won the war if the Germans had died of old age. Um, just a fascinating area, Pete. Quite different in terms of the walks. And the first one we're going to do on the first morning is Polygon Wood. 
Yeah, it is. And, and, and not as easy, I have to say. I'm still tweaking these tours because they're not easy ones to organise because we haven't got a right to roam in Belgium and a lot of the fields are fenced, so we can't go straight on following a battalion action. So we have to zigzag a little bit, keeping to tracks and, uh, and, and roads. So a little bit m- more difficult uh, uh, and yet interesting as well. So Polygon Wood, we're going to be following the 31st Battalion of the, uh, of the 8th Brigade 5th Division. I felt that was a suitable one to, uh, to, uh, to follow. So we're going to be having uh, uh, as much as we can follow their route. Of course, in the wood itself, not so difficult. But we can't see a great deal from in the wood. So we want to spend a bit of time outside the wood, orientating ourselves and uh, and chatting about their, their experiences. So that's the morning walk. And then in the, the afternoon walk, a little easier, um, Brood Synth, uh, following the 40th Battalion, the uh, All Tasmanian Battalion. And that's the other thing we've tried to do as well, is spread around the the battalions that we're following and, and units that we're following from different parts of Australia. So we're not following units all from one part of Australia as well. As well. So 40th Battalion, Tasmanian, um, and their uh, assault, which basically uh, finishes up at, at Tancot Cemetery. Um, so, uh, uh, and that's a, a great one. That that one you do get a feel from start to finish. You can follow in their uh, in their footsteps. The footsteps there gives you a rare opportunity to actually see these famous ridges. You know, Brood Scene and Passchendaele Ridge to actually get an impression that it is an uphill walk. You don't you don't get that impression too easily when you just pull up at Tynecott and look back towards Eep. But um, it's a good one. I've done this walk a few times myself and a really uh, a really good one and some pretty savage fighting. We mentioned the Australians. We are following Australian units here. Where obviously Matt McLaughlin Battlefield Tours is an Australian company, mostly for Australian <laughs> passengers. But I do want to say that um, there is some opportunity if you're if you're someone listening in the UK or America or Canada or one of our other international places, New Zealand, um, you, you would still get a lot out of this tour. We expect most of the tour will be Australians, but I I think we will get a smattering peat of our international guests because it's a unique experience to walk the ground and uh, and it's it's even if we're not walking in someone in the footsteps of someone from your home country. To get a perspective of what the men went through on the battlefields is going to be um, quite extraordinary. Well, I think so, uh, because we'll be talking about uh, the tactics and what the men are carrying, and uh, across the Empire forces, of course, it's it's the same. So it doesn't it doesn't vary. The tactics that that we're using and developing as as the war went on are across the board. So uh, so it's relevant to to everybody. So um, yeah. So just because we're following a certain Australian uh, unit across their action, you can mentally, if you if you are following somebody else and you have an interest in, in another uh, British battalion or a a New Zealand battalion or a Canadian battalion, etc., then you can, you can juxtapose all of that information on that battalion as well. So, yeah, so I think it's of interest to, to everybody. Day seven, Pete, this is going to be a really interesting one. A couple of things that, you know, we don't go anywhere near on a regular tour and yep. a couple of angles of life in the war that we don't get much of an opportunity to explore. The, the morning walk, um, standing fast at Meris uh, in the face of the German Spring Offensive in in April 1918. Well, this is one that I'm really looking forward uh, to actually doing a bit more work on. I have to say, well, it's not one that I know particularly well. I will by the time we uh, we get out there, but I've um, I go there rarely. Um, because it, it, it's not on anybody's radar, really, and so it's uh, and yet it's an important action again, and it's uh, uh, again it's the first uh, the first division. Um, this time we're going to be looking at the tenth battalion and their experience uh, at Mont de Meris. So it's um, uh, yeah, it's one that I'm really looking forward to because I know that there will be almost nobody on the tour that will have actually walked the walked uh, walked this ground before, or perhaps even visited it before. It is overlooked on the, I mean, I it use is. that term too yeah. much, but this is overlooked because 
we do discuss Australian troops holding up the Germans in April 1918, but that's in Villers-Bretno, way down on the Somme. And we forget yep. that up in the north, right up on the border of Belgium, the 1st Division was doing incredible work also holding up German thrusts as they tried to, to, to get across that ground. I have yep. walked this ground a little bit, but not for a long time, not for 10 or 15 years. And Meris, Metterand, Strasil, these places up in the up in the north, you know, yep. the scenes of some very costly and significant battles for the troops involved. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's a, it's a really Im, I, important location. And actually, for those uh, guys that are, are missing in this area, of course, they are commemorated at Villas Bretonneuf, so a long, long way from where they sadly lost, the, lost their life. So I think there's a, a lot to talk about uh, about the fighting here, so I, I'm really looking forward to it. Some fascinating chapters, too, that one of the most haunting descriptions in this of this fighting was the one that Bean described in the official history where... He had a report from troops that they were gathering and digging in and expecting the Germans to turn up. And for some reason, the Germans just must have gotten confused about where they actually were. But it was an entire, we'll say a regiment or a battalion, like a huge force of Germans were assembling to prepare for an attack, but in full view of the Australians, where the Australians were digging in. And they described it. They could see lines and lines of men marching in and their officers riding around on horses directing them just in full parade formation. And the Australians just called in the artillery, and the the, the artillery, you know, they they said they'd never seen so many men killed in a single barrage. They they absolutely wiped them out. So, and you can still stand in that spot, and you look down this gentle gentle slope, and there's a gap in the trees, and you can still see exactly where it happened. So, a couple of really interesting aspects of the fighting that we don't normally um, look into. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, it's it's this is the day that I'm really looking forward to. I have to say, from a personal perspective. In the afternoon, behind the lines around Cassel, this is something I haven't really done much of at all. Tell us about this one, Pete. Well, um, we will be doing it because I'm going to be doing a podcast about it quite soon. So uh, um, I think uh, it's it's a place that I've always been interested in. Uh, um, uh, Castle is uh, is up on a mound and it's in French Flanders. So again, it's in France, but from there you can see all the way to Ypres and uh, and to the coast. So it's a, an interesting site fought over in both world wars. Um, but it's where command and control uh, was was based. Um, so uh, senior French commanders, senior British commanders uh, are going to be based there there's also um, uh, billets for men there. there there was a casino so it was a place where officers went to to rest so there's just so much going on there famous artists working there brothels of course so there's uh, there's a lot of things to talk about so something it's, it's, for uh, everyone Pete something exactly <laughs> exactly and, it, and, and I just thought it, it went in nicely with the tour because we're talking about marching to the front getting evacuated from the front successful attacks unsuccessful attacks I thought we need to have a look at behind the lines let's do something that's totally Brilliant. behind the lines that we can have a walk around so it's going to be fantastic again, looking forward to this day it's uh, an interesting day and that's the uh well the second last day of walking the final day is the day we head back to paris from Ypres. but we've got one more walk in the morning uh and this is going to be a great one as well messine um it's we're talking about monash and new tactics but this is not tactics that we would see in 1918 at hamel and on the 8th of August, we're talking about what is really the first all-arms battle of the war. I mean, that's a debatable topic, but I'm going to call it as Messine on June 7, 1917. The the great, the, the explosion of the 19 huge mines, tanks and artillery working together, troops advancing under cover of, of, of long-range fire. Um, a, a, a really interesting battle and a great one to walk the ground. Yeah, it's it's one of my favourites, and uh, I talk about it quite a, quite a lot when we're when we're on the ground. Uh, um, one of the aspects that I find fascinating is the briefing of the men. The men were fully briefed, models built that they could actually have a look at, so they knew what was going on. They knew who was to the left, who was to the right, exactly where the Germans were. So a very different action. 
of course, famous from an Australian perspective because uh, it's going to be the Australian third division. It's their first battle, and they're commanded by Monash, so it's the, the start of the rise of Monash. So there's an awful lot to talk about, but again, we're going to be following one battalion, so the 33rd battalion in this case, um, and their experiences uh, on that first day, the 7th of June. And then, sadly, back to Paris, where we're going to... Well, not sadly, we're going to head back to Paris with fond memories and sore legs, no doubt. Uh, and then a farewell dinner and a chance to exchange memories. And then the next morning, the tour will end. But, mate, well, well, let me ask you this. What do you think people will come away from this tour with? How will their perspective of what it meant to fight in the First World War have changed? Well, I think the most important thing that I'd like to come away with is is feeling that they've experienced a little bit more about what the men went through. So the, that walking to and from the front, looking at the battles in detail and walking the front lines, I'm hoping that just that just that walking will give people that little bit more of an experience, uh, of a feel and an experience of what it was like. Um, but I'm also hoping that they'll come away with a greater understanding of tactics because there's nothing better than being on the ground and actually looking at the ripples in the ground and understanding why the Germans put a machine gun there, why we had to take this out with an, uh, an underground mine or where we had to, to bring down a barrage on this area. So I'm hoping people will have that greater understanding of, of, the, t- of the tactics of the Great War and, and the changing tactics of the Great War. And I think that's important, but it's, it's the landscape. That, that's the thing that I think most people will be amazed at for those that have perhaps been on uh, other tours or perhaps even one of our tours but to actually do a lot of walking on the ground and walk in walk out understanding why this little ripple in the landscape is known as a valley and yet it hardly feels like a valley but when a machine gun's firing at you and when you know where that machine gun's firing from that little ripple in the ground does uh, take on a a greater significance and I think that's the most important thing um, that people should take from the tours and should enjoy is, is actually the understanding of the landscape. That's going to be brilliant, mate. We we didn't mention this, but you, of course, are a military man. You're a Royal Marine, and this, you know, you're you're going to the people on this tour are going to be walking the ground with someone who knows, um, who knows all about it. It's 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 going to be fantastic, mate. What a great experience! Thank you yeah, for well, the hard work you've done on it. By the way, it's been uh, you know it's been a, a labor of love for both of us. But I know that you're out there now, actually walking the ground in preparation for this, even though we're nearly a year away from this tour actually taking place. Well, I'm making sure it's only going to be four hours a day's walking. <laughs> but I think it may be a lot more. It'll be a lot of four hours walking and 40 hours of talking. But no, it's, yeah. it's our Battle Tactics on the Western Front tour. It departs on the 11th of October 2023 from Paris. It's going to be a hell of an experience. If you are in any way interested in, in getting an understanding of what these men went through, this absolutely is the tour you've been waiting for. Um, so get on board it. I'll put the, a link to the in the show notes to the tour on our website, but the website is battlefields.com.au if you want to join us on that tour, and I'd encourage you to. It's going to be an amazing experience. Pete, thanks for your hard work on this tour, and thanks for taking the time to come and talk to us about it. Pleasure, Matt. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for the podcast and visit livinghistorytv.com for more great history content. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks for listening. 
Follow us on Twitter and Facebook to learn more about each episode. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you have a couple of options. You can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee forward slash PGMH or consider subscribing to the podcast for only £2 per month and get ad-free listening and bonus content. You can find links for both on our Facebook and Twitter accounts. Sounds great, doesn't it?